I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. We are here for one of two podcasts we're going to bring you this week, and we're going to reflect further on the uh, news that Lee Johnson has lost his job at Sunderland and discuss who might be coming in, and also taking a look back at transfer deadline day, because it feels like that was the first time in years it's been relevant to Sunderland. <laughs> and uh, we will elaborate on that. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, is Gareth Barger. Hi. Good to have you back. Good to get your thoughts because you weren't with us on Sunday for the I for know. the reaction. I was, you, um, um, you, had, you dare you dare to have <laughs> a social life. I know, well, I know. Well, that's like, I mean, there's, that is a multifaceted comment, really, isn't it? When you break it down, I dare to have a social life in you know in the midst of you know the plague and just you know as a loser generally. Um, you know, decide to venture out and socialise with with Chris Weatherspoon, which is which, again a terrible even idea. Even more bizarre, yeah. So we went to see know. something though, so we didn't have to talk to each other. So we went to see. Stuart was it a, was it a, was it a finance presentation? No, it wasn't. Um, he was. He, that's what he thought it was. Uh, when <laughs> yeah, when there, he said there was, was a PowerPoint yeah, involved, <laughs> it was just a man doing a fifteen-minute um, sort of almost like performance art skit on Ricky Gervais. Um, it was really funny. I would go and see it. Stuart Lee's new th- new tour. I think it's on in Durham in May or something. So yeah, go and see that. There you go. There's your there you go. Yeah. Plug. For seven. I mean, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. It all adds up. You know, if, 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 you know if every podcast that was running at uh, this moment in time recommended that, then you know it might make a difference. So who's to know? Uh, joining myself and Gareth is Phil Smith of the Sunderland Echo. Good evening, Phil. Evening. How are you? Did you get to sleep at a reasonable time, early hours? Um, I've had I've had very little sleep, which is fine. But maybe if people can just bear that in mind, if I go off on some strange tangents over the next forty minutes or so, just just roll with it and just uh, it's never stopped it, us. <laughs> it's never stopped us over the last ten years. So uh, I'm, I'm very much in favour. I mean, if you could say something outrageous, that would be great. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. For the title of the pod, if I could just come up with something yeah, utterly, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes anyway. I mean, it will, uh, as far as like Sunderland-based media goes, I mean, you're going to have to say something pretty outrageous to eclipse the last sort of 12 to 24 <laughs> hours. So, you know, I think we have eclipsed the purple dildo, I think. Um, well, it's so, up there. Oh, it, it is up there, I think. Probably not a ch- good choice of words, that... Um... We, well, um... I think we have, haven't we? So, you know, I think fair play to them was very funny. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I was thinking about this earlier, like, do we need to provide the context? Is that, I guess, not really. I think if you know, you know, and you're involved. Yeah. Let's just say it might have been the night where Sunderland or SCFC YouTube come into its own finally. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it worked, you know, at the end of the day, because <laughs> what was good about it was, we were expecting these signings, Phil, weren't they? What, what time did you get wind that we might be bringing people in? Because, like I said at the start there, it's been year. It feels like it's been years since we've been involved heavily in, in transfer deadline. Yeah, Sky Sports have kind of toned down um, what they do a little bit. And for that reason, everybody, I'm guessing, was watching Sky Sports News until the deadline passed and there were no signings at that point. So then YouTube came into its own because people needed the fix. What what, what time of day was it when you yeah. um, got a hint what, what, of, of what was to come? It's funny you say that, to be honest, Stephen, because actually I don't think I've done a deadline day 
um, in five years where someone hasn't signed someone. They do actually tend to be pretty busy. It's just that maybe people don't feel compelled to run down the academy alike because of who the signings are and um, with the greatest respect. And do you know what I mean? I think that's what was mm. different about this one is that it was people were genuinely enthused. I think that the... the I know one, you say that. I know you say that, Phil, but I, and that's probably right. You know, we make a dip, but I'm not sure we've... It's felt like we've needed two or three signings you know, on the last day like we have done today. And I think everybody was kind of... Worrying We've about had a that. few, like Coleman brought a few in on deadline day. Simon Grayson oh, signed four. Oh, I think, is, you can't day. mention seasons of people trying just erase from the memory, Phil. Yeah. That doesn't count. <laughs> well, I, I can't erase them from my memory, no matter how hard I try. Yeah. It's you Jermaine Defoe, it's Jermaine Defoe, no, it's uh, Kazenga Lualua. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I think that the, the Defoe one obviously was, was kind of on from quite early in the day, but. It was one of those where I, I don't know if it was going to, we didn't know if it was going to be announced because obviously he was a free agent. And I think sort of moving into the last two, three hours, it was a case of would they get two other ones over the line? And um, one being the midfielder and one being the defender with Flanagan going to Shrewsbury. As we know, they got one over the line, which I think is exciting and good and certainly needed. And they didn't get another one over the line, which leaves some concerns for me. I certainly think leaves a, leaves a gap in the squad. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, obviously, the Defoe stuff was fantastic. It was good fun. I'm really pleased it's happened. I genuinely think it'll make an impact. I think on the whole, it, you have to say it was a mixed day because I don't think they got everything they needed, um, in my opinion. Anyway, others might disagree. Um, so I thought some good work was done. Um, I do think they're, I don't know what other people think, but I think they're one liked. Well, I'm glad you, yeah. you've started with the negativity so we can't really? get accused of it. <laughs> but we Because we might, we'll, we, we'll look. We'll try and spin around to being positive because it was pro- there was negatives and positives to it. Let's just get those negatives out of the way. Well, should, should Sunderland be letting Tom Flanagan leave? No, until a replacement is through the door. I mean, the the, the comments from Speakman were, I mean, basically cut and pasted for the two players who left in Ed O'Brien and and sort of Tom Flanagan, where it was all well. Well, these players are in the last six months of the contract and. We can't like guarantee basically first team football, and we can't guarantee we're going to renew the contracts. So for the security, they've decided to move on. Why give them that decision now? I mean, you when you sign a three-year contract, you don't sign a two and a half-year contract. You sign a three-year contract. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't know why you would give the younger to be why without a club. Somebody, I don't know why you give somebody the option to leave. Um, the club when you don't need to for the good of them like I mean they've signed the contract you contract to the club till till it expires so um, I think fair enough O'Brien I think initially I was a bit I feel like we're weakening here and we haven't really strengthened but in that area to be fair we do have a lot of options defensively I mean it's all very well bringing in the forward players and Jermaine Defoe, but Jermaine Defoe's not going to make a difference when you're six 0 down to Bolton, is he? I mean, he's not. He's going. He's not going to score you seven goals in that game. To, to you know that, and that is he would have scored any goals inside. No, because we didn't put the ball in no. the box at all. So we got that. That that's a fundamental problem that needs to be resolved. <clears> now, I guess there's an argument to say, obviously, with changing manager, that um, if we brought somebody in who could solidify the defence the numbers aren't so much an issue because it's not about you having that volume of players available. It's about having a, a tight group of players who are capable of defending. Um, but at the same time, you know, we know that Bailey Wright's injury prone. Um, and we know that, you know, Abinad Jamajli has not kicked the ball <laughs> in English football aside from the EFL trophy. So, Oh, that's a big, that's a big call, and for all the, the hype around the four, I can't see them sitting there and going, "Oh well, we're like we're happy with that." And if it, when the new manager comes in, I can't imagine he's going to go. We've got four centre backs, and one of them's hasn't kicked the ball in 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 league football in England. If there's a manager or a head coach in the building yesterday, mm-hmm. Tom Flanagan doesn't leave. Like, 
I can't believe it. Sorry, my cats are fighting. Stop it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Samson uh, and Delilah going at it. Yeah, they are. Um, and easier said than done, isn't it? I guess, you know, if they've, they've told Flanagan he can leave or whatever, but it just seems like a lack of ruthlessness to me because if, if this other guy was a Congolore, Phil, who they, they were trying to get in and rumours around that he failed a medical or whatever reason it was that it broke down, if in fact it was going to happen, You've got to be selfish sometimes, haven't you? Like, and why not just say this deal will only go ahead if if we bring somebody else in? I know there's probably lots of layers to this that we don't know about, and we are speculating a little bit, but it just leaves us so short in that area. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly I don't have a an issue with the decision to to let Flanagan go. Speakman's ultimately brought been brought in as sporting director with a brief to to overhaul the squad and move it towards sort of this new style. So I can understand why Flanagan's gone. I mean, I I have a lot of um, fondness for Flanagan because I think he's as honest as the day is long. I'm slightly biased because he's a quite a good no-nonsense talker as well. Um, and I've always really liked his approach. I think that ultimately, he's played a lot of games for the football club now. Is he a top two centre-half at League One level? I think he's probably not. And I think we've seen that this season where he was excellent to start with, but we have seen his, his levels dip. So I, I honestly don't have a, an issue with the decision. I just think that I can't believe that that's something that's only come on the radar on deadline day. So for me, it's just something that needed to be better prepared for, if that makes sense. Um, I've got no issues with the decision with him or O'Brien. I just think, yeah, I think it's a, I think it leads them now in a real gamble. Um, because I think going into deadline day, I'm still looking at it thinking, I can understand why they might not want to sign a fullback because you've got Huggins coming back in the long term and well, you know, Trey Hume hasn't kicked the ball yet. And so I'm kind of looking at it thinking hopefully we'll see, you know, one defender come in for a defender not to come in and want to go. I, I was I was surprised. And you know, I honestly I, I think it's been a decent window and I think there was some good work done yesterday. Um but I think at the moment you're gambling on no one getting an injury and Luke mm-hmm. O'Nine being back and fit very quickly. Um Fingers crossed, fingers crossed that happens. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's a big gamble to take at this stage of the season. Yeah, Lugo 9 sitting there now thinking, yeah, I'm in defence again, aren't I? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, then that's fine by me. Cause right back, I mean, right, in particular. Yeah, pop him in at right back, or you could play left back. If you if had um, not been done 6-0 on Saturday, people might feel a bit more relaxed about Flanagan leaving, but I was watching that game unfold on Saturday thinking, Flanagan's got to come in for Doyle here because he's been terrible for so long now. And at least Flanagan will will run himself into the ground and stuff, and it just it's just bizarre. It's just absolutely bizarre. I mean, the, the strange thing, I mean, it, you know, I know we're going to talk about. It feels like a lifetime since the game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Think about how much has changed since out, Friday. You know, <laughs> Friday since Friday night. Think look how many, match. yeah. I mean, look how many bodies you know back in the goals were conceded, and we're still conceding goals. There's like we've got areas filled with six, seven defenders, and we're standing around though, not putting any pressure. I know, but it's just it's and that that's you know we'll come on to the managerial situation later. And if you look at that as a wider point, you think, well, what what are we doing then? Like you know, we've got the bodies there, but why aren't they defending? Um, it's a it's a very very strange sort of the way we conceded those goals in that game, and we've seen it repeatedly in the you know to lose what eighteen one and on aggregate across four way games is you know no Louis Drift has been on the radio this morning talked about you know a culmination of factors or accumulation sorry of factors as to why he's 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 gone. Um. We'll, we'll I mean, get on to that. Yeah, I know. Sorry, we'll I've, I've, drift, I've drifted. Things. I've drifted into the managerial <laughs> thing, but yeah, the, in, in terms of the defensive situation, yeah, I think I, it does make me nervous. I do. I mean, it, I hope there's there's options. You always see teams bring in, you know, free transfers, things like that. Maybe there's there's something there sitting, but I can't. I, Huggins, forget about Huggins this season. Like, what he's he's brought his back basically. He's going to be out of what March. How long is it going to take him to get match fit? The last game of the season is the thirtieth of April this year. You know, 
Well, it's going to be fun football continued, which we have been asking for. Um, if you look, Packers if the thing best is, form you, of defense. If you look beyond the, the defensive situation, you could say, "Oh, it's a, that's a looks a pretty good window." Like in a, you know, we're strengthened in four areas. Got a bit of variety. There's there's a variety of different ways we could set up if we wanted to. Um, obviously, brought in Jermaine Defoe, which I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about. You know, you, I think that's pretty good. If we if, if we signed one defender yesterday, I think a lot of people would be saying yeah. we've gone from like a six out of ten window to an eight out of ten window. Yeah, but because we haven't, it's just that little seed of doubt in there, isn't there? Yeah. Well, we asked people, didn't we, on on Twitter, what they rated the transfer. Uh, the transfer window and the options were zero to five. Um, six or seven out of ten was the second option. Eight or nine was the third option, and ten was the final one. Um, eight to nine won it fifty-one percent, and six to seven, which I'd give it a seven, I think, um, which was thirty-nine percent, and then the owners didn't score very highly. Um, no, I think you're right, and and the landscape would have looked totally different if they had managed to bring in a defender. Um, Phil, I'm excited about Gia Teta because I've been alarmed when he, Johnson, when he was making the comments saying, oh, ideally we might bring someone in the middle of the park and it's just been so obvious for so long to me that we need somebody who can um, add a bit of steel and a bit of energy to the midfield as much as anything just to allow the likes of Neil and Emberton flourish a little bit more and somebody to do their, do their graph for them and um, reading all these reports on this guy, you can do all that and more. Yeah, and I think the other factors as well, it kind of feeds into, I was thinking going into deadline that you probably need a midfielder and a right back or a full back rather. But if you're not getting a full back, then you definitely need a midfielder because obviously Winchester's going to play there yeah. probably more, isn't he, in the weeks ahead. So it it, it suddenly became a very important position. Um, and I, I think it's an exciting signing. I mean, I suppose there's always that element of doubt when someone so young, you know, he's probably not played that many more games than some of the other young players in the squad. You know, moving to a bigger club, you, you never quite know how that transition period is going to go, but that is, you know, the model that the club follow now. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, by all accounts, really athletic, got some good quality, um, likes to get forward, likes to go past people. I think that's a really exciting sign in that one. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him go. And maybe sort of in the weeks ahead, it might just allow Daniel to have a little bit of a rest at some point which he has looked like he's probably needed, mm-hmm. um, which I think is inevitable. You know, yeah. if you look at the minutes Neil played through pre-season, as well as the first sort of three months of the season, it was, you know, it was remarkable really for someone who'd barely kicked the ball in senior football. So I think we are seeing that catch up with him a little bit and hopefully um, this new signing gives him a chance to sort of get back to his absolute best for the for the kind of the running, which would be really important as well. So, yeah, I think that was a. Yeah, it really was. And the business that they did do on deadline day, really excited by mm. really good business. That's one I was worried about when nothing was happening because I kind of, you know, we, we've gone backwards and forwards with the four, haven't we? It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. And that's gone on for like the last two weeks. Um, but I think yesterday there were enough noises to suggest actually it, it was going to happen um, the way it was being widely reported. And as you, you said earlier, Phil, it, it didn't have to be done that one by 11 o'clock. So I was always kind of like more relaxed about that one. Um, as soon as we got linked with um, Mateta and I, look, and I looked at his profile, did some reading up on him, that was the one I was I was nervous about. Um, once it got to 11 o'clock and we not heard anything of it, but um, your thoughts on that, Gareth? I know, you know, our knowledge is limited. We're not going to pretend uh, otherwise. I think, it, you know, the kind of player I was expecting us to bring or hoping we'd bring was maybe someone with a little bit more experience and a bit more sort of physical presence in there but at the same time I didn't really like I did really didn't want a a young a young player on loan in that area so you know if we, if we've had to bring in somebody there and we we paid a fee for them and the the high rated as they appear to be um statistically all that kind of stuff um points to positive things so like the fact we didn't get somebody in with a bit more experience that I can kind of live with if we've brought somebody in on a permanent who has been playing at this level regularly and has probably been looked at by clubs, you know, at a, probably a level above um, League One. So, you know, that I think that is a, is one to be excited about. Um, looks like a good mover, doesn't he? When you sort of watch the videos, he looks like a 
bit like Broadhead. Like he's quite sort of um, like sort of biomechanically quite nice to watch. Sort of thing the way he kind of moves across the pitch looks very natural, and that's kind of you know always a good sign. I think mm. um, you know somebody who looks nice and comfortable in there running with a ball. Yeah, I'm really um, looking forward to that. One. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what I'm looking forward. I am looking forward like I'm looking forward to seeing him seeing him play and looking forward to a bit more not. A bit more Saturday now, um, for, for a few reasons. I mean, after the weekend, kind of felt as though the season's a bit of a write-off. I know, I know why some people might think, well, how can you say that? The seventeen games to go, but I mean, we need to win twelve of those games to get automatically promoted. So, yeah. you know, I think I think that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a big ask, regardless of the manager changing or the kind of players you bring in, isn't it? So. I mean, I don't know what your perspective is on that, Phil, where you, you know, sort of drifting slightly into the kind of state of play with the with the actual sort of results on the pitch and the football rather than the stuff off the pitch and the transfers <clears throat> after the weekend and the players were brought in, the window ending, do you, do you still have hopes of the automatics or are you kind of resigned to the playoffs? Um, it's hard to separate a general sense of fatalism that is built in over a long period of time with actual objectivity, I think. But um, to be honest, uh, right now, I have to say I don't feel overly confident about the automatics. I just think, I suppose, one is that kind of feeling you get with, you know, it, it feels like Wigan in particular have kind of done that thing where they score so many late goals, seem to snatch results out of nowhere kind of the intangibles if you know what I mean whereby yeah. you just they look like a promotion team which sounds like such a vague nonsense but I think people might understand why I get you know Sunderland seem to ship late goals you know they don't seem to pull the results out of the fire at the end or whatever and that consistency is something that um, you know that Sunderland just haven't quite had and at the moment you know you mentioned there how many games you need to win I've got absolutely no doubt they could win a lot of home games between now and the end of the season but the away form and the way performances really are just so patchy, so inconsistent. I find it really hard to see them going on that kind of run. At the same time, I do think there are the players there, the calibre of players, especially in the forward areas, to blow teams away. And I suppose one of the, I don't know, I mean, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, but if I'm interviewing the head coaches or whatever now for this job, the first question I'm asking the interview process is, how are you going to improve this team? You know, in terms of, we know they're going to have the technical quality. We know they're going to hurt teams. But how do you feel we can unlock that while also toughening things up, especially on the road? Um, and I mean, I, I I don't know how much you want to go into sort of the sacking and what have you. And I understood the reasons for it. I thought it was harsh on a lot of levels. I could also understand why it happened. But one thing I would say is that, you know, it's the club's policy to blood a lot of footballers, essentially, either in their first I don't quite see them as a top two side. But the quality is there. The quality is there. And it'll be really interesting to see how a, a new head coach kind of diagnoses, you know, what the issues are, if you like. Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, but I get kind of the general point that you were making, so that's fine. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you are right. It was, right, really, I mean, in, it was, it was really insightful. Really insightful. Um, I think the, the the funny one is with, with that, and I, I guess, you know, from an attacking perspective, obviously the players are brought in. If you're a new manager coming in, you're probably going, oh, great. And it doesn't feel as though if we could just tight, tighten up at the back. I mean, we're, we're talking about, say, if you can halve the amount of goals we're conceding over the last 17 games, surely we've got the quality in forward areas to win a few games 1-0 or 2-1 rather than it being feast or famine where we're battering someone 5-0 and then the next week we're losing 4-0, you know. Um, you know, we don't, when we've been away from home, we haven't given, at times, we, we haven't frustrated the opposition enough in those big atmospheres. You know, we haven't annoyed them enough. And then it, all of a sudden it's like we're 1-0 down, then we're 2-0 down, and then you're going, oh, no, no. As soon as we go 2-0 down and, and when the atmosphere is like, I think, how many is this going to be? which is, isn't really enough for good enough. But I guess in forward areas, obviously probably want to finish this bit off 
Um, Stephen just toddled off there. He's back now. Um, finish off the transfer bit. We haven't really gone into the... Def- we, haven't, we haven't really talked about Defoe, kind of mentioned him in passing. It's, it, was, it feels like a little bit of a disservice if we don't, like, give shine a light on that a little bit. Taking a step into the unknown, more. like last time, though. Where, like, you know, I mean, how well, when I, when I said we shouldn't, well, When I exactly, said we shouldn't have signed them. Exactly. Um, he wasn't the right centre forward for Gus Poyet, as we've discussed <laughs> yeah. many times. We should, have signed, funnily, we should have signed Callum Wilson then. That's who we should have signed. Stand by that. When yeah. he was a Coventry and we did, I think he went to Bournemouth instead. But yeah, he would have been the right player for, for that Poyet system. But I'm glad he came in the end because, like, I mean, his legacy is obviously, you know, felt, felt today and, and obviously yesterday when you see the reaction to him, you know, returning. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is just let's just go with our heart over the head, <clears throat> the head with this one, and then if he's rubbish yeah. after 10 games, we can all slag off the road. I don't think the thing is, though, I don't too much time on that. He's not going to be free. rubbish. He's not going to be I can't, see, not we, I can't see how he how he can be. Yeah, you know what? Ball, the ball falls from in the yeah. box, he's scoring. It doesn't matter what it doesn't matter, you know, what what level goalkeeper's in goal. He's put the ball in the bottom corner, isn't he? If he gets a chance, you know, he's he's you know. You could argue that, yeah, he's, he's 39, but you could probably shave four or five years off that um, with his, like, his levels of fitness. So, you know, if you were signing a 35-year-old Jim in before, I think there's, you'd be going, yeah, okay. But, you know, that it, it is, it'll be a special moment, I think, when even the most cynical person I think who maybe thinks it's a daft thing when he come when he enters the field of play on Saturday from the bench probably I don't think he'll start um it'll be a, a special moment a perfect team to, to do it against well someone like a Doncaster who you know a, a team in the sort of bottom four bottom five if, if we're going to create any chances as we've seen and you know at home this season, we're, we are very much flat track bullies, aren't we? Where when we get these teams from the bottom at home and we get off to a good start, we usually give them a good pace, and don't we? So yeah, home form's not been a problem. Yeah, at all. I mean, if your away form was anywhere near like the home oh well, we're, form we're running was, the league by now. Yeah, we'd be absolutely smashing, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't we? So yeah, we'll 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 move on from that now. So we'll take a little break and we'll come back and we'll just. <sighs> What's going on? Reflect, because it's hard to forget amongst all. Is it Sunderland don't have a manager at the moment or a head coach? So we'll we'll uh, discuss that when we come back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Wiseman's Here podcast. Okay, right at the time of recording, Sunderland do not have a head coach. Let's look back at the decision and just elaborate on the uh, reaction pod that we we brought you on Sunday. A lot of people listen to that, um, which is which is canny because it's not just us just discussing another game. Um, just 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 us discussing another another sacked manager. Yeah, well, this, this is it. Yeah, be nine, um, be nine years next month since we started doing the pod. Probably had more managers than we've been doing the pod in terms of years. I would have thought. I'm sure it was somebody at work that now. Chris has probably got a graph. 
<laughs> start already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, did you get any sort of inkling over the last few weeks, Phil, that maybe things weren't all that they seemed to be behind the scenes, perhaps? Because I can't believe that it's just a 6-0 defeat that's done it fully. I can't even think it's just the three or four good items we've had with a team sitting third in the league when all of the talk from Christian Speakman is long-term stability, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think I didn't get any inkling on Sunday because I was in the ship ISIS. Um, so <laughs> that was that was good. But um, no, I think that... I, I think there's definitely been some kind of tensions behind the scenes. I, I didn't see it unravelling as, as quickly as it did, to be honest with you. Um, I think definitely... Um, you know, there's been some a little bit of friction over over recruitment. I think everyone can see there's been elements of that in the Defoe saga. Um, but I think ultimately it's it's a decision that boils down to the fact that those doubts about getting in the top two have probably built over a period of time. You know, if you look at Johnson's tenure, this is the third slump, really, isn't it? You had one at the end of last season, you had one in October, November, and we're kind of in another one now. And the reality is that if there's one more, that, that's it, isn't it, for the season? So I think that it's, I think it's been a slow burner um, in terms of that kind of confidence decreasing and those kind of tensions behind the scenes. I think it would be um, over the top of me to say that it's, you know, been kind of becoming untenable or, or really, really bad because I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I think that's just something that's developed. And listen, I think if you, if you, if the goal this season was top two, then right now, you know, Sunderland's position in the table isn't great. And I don't think it's a false one either. Like, because you can, we've talked about the away form, talk about defensive issues. They aren't a top two team at the moment, rather than Wigan are. Um, so in that sense, you know, I can understand the decision as I kind of, I did go rogue, unfortunately, Steve, when he disappeared and started talking about this when I wasn't supposed to. But um, I, I, I do think it's like harsh in a lot of ways. Like if you look at a lot of the broader objectives that Johnson was brought in to do, I genuinely think he did a lot of good work, like brought through some, you know, really exciting players, recruited Ross Stewart, you know, someone who he'd scouted before he came in. What a brilliant bit of business. Um, you know, the football quite often was really, really, really good. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think it's harsh because I think he's done quite a lot of good work that will probably stand the test of time. Um, but at the same time, if what the board are saying is this is a top two season, then I find it difficult to pick holes in their logic there in terms of what we've seen. So I, I wouldn't say it's something that, you know, I I, I saw coming as quickly as it did. Um, but I think it's maybe been a little bit of a a little bit of a slow burner. Uh, yeah, and it's hard to lose focus the fact that we're in division three sometimes and when we're when we're getting some of these results and we're playing some of this football and stuff, it should always just people just need to know that, like, yeah, that's all well and good, but win a division we should never be in and history reflects that so those standards have got to be um so be be, set, really. said before like the only if you're the manager the only reason you get an opportunity to manage something in league one is be, basically because the manager's been sacked because of not being promoted and as soon as you come in the remit is to get promoted and if you don't you're not going to be. You don't look like you're going to achieve it. You're going to be moved on. Like it's it's harsh. I mean, when get into the, I know what you're saying, Phil, and respect that you know. Yeah, he has done some good stuff, and you know he's not acting solely in that in that role as re- recruiting players. Um, I feel I do feel as there's a little bit of maybe window dressing in some of the stuff that they're doing. In that, it's like there's a lot of this kind of narrative around. Well, you know, we're bringing in bringing in these young players, bringing through young players, players who can grow with the team. Yes, in in some respects, but obviously when you bring in a lot of those players on loan and they leave in the summer, unless you bring them back, you're gonna to have to replace them anyway. So. Unless you've got that core of you, which is a good thing about signing Mateta as on a permanent, and I guess we've signed yeah. Hume on a permanent, Huggins on a permanent, Sergan on a on a permanent. So, if you wanted to counter it, you could say, yeah, we have brought those in, but I wouldn't say bringing in three fullbacks and and one central midfielder, um, kind of gives you that core of, of young players that you own that you can build a team around and 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 
those players can grow with you. So I'm not blaming Johnson for that, by the way. But, yeah, um, well, I think that, that, that that's probably down to the. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, I think that just on that point, I think I would probably I, I get what you're saying. I, I suppose I disagree slightly in that with those players that brought in, I can see a pathway where Doyle comes back next year. I can see a scenario where potentially Broadhead's recruited when he leaves Everton. Hoffman and Diaku have the clauses to turn into permanence. So I do agree with you, but I think, and I think that's actually exactly what I'm getting at. I think that the club is in a better position now than it was on that first afternoon when Lee Johnson took charge against Wigan Athletic. Some of that's down to him and some of it's down to the broader structure. Some of the failings that have led to him leading his job are also down to the broader structure and recruitment's a great example. So the inconsistency that Lee Johnson's had in his career and that happened here, yes, ultimately that's his reflection as a head coach. I also think that inconsistencies and inevitability when you have three players in their first season in senior football, when you have two players who've come from Germany and they're playing in England for the first time. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that no, I agree. I, I definitely have a lot of respect. I do believe, you know, whatever people's opinions on him, and I know he wasn't to everyone's taste in the way he spoke, and I understand that totally. I think that he's done some good work here. Um, some of that's because of what he brought, some of it's because of what the club structure brought. But it's really, and it's really interesting. I am going on a tangent here and I apologise in advance, but it's so interesting comparing what Sunderland have done in the transfer market to Wigan. You know, if you look again at, at Wigan, what they've done in this window, it's established players, isn't it? It's 30, 31-year-old being there, done it. And it'll be interesting to see if they do get promoted, whether those players are still involved next season. A lot of these guys could potentially be not really involved on quite big money with no resale value. And it's just a really interesting dilemma, isn't it, in terms of getting that balance. And I suppose balance, the point yeah. I'm making... I suppose the point I'm making is that, you know, I understand the decision because it's never acceptable for someone to be not going up from this division. And so yeah. I, I can't quibble with it. But I think it's maybe there is room for a bit of pause for thought in terms of even if, like I am, you're really positive about what the club's trying to do in a lot of ways, which is something I called for for a long time. You know, I think if we're talking about a team that's got a little bit of a soft underbelly, it's a bit inconsistent. Yeah, of course, that's the head coach's responsibility and it falls at his door. But I do think that the, the nature of the cr- recruitment is fed into that a little bit as well. But I think it's I think it's a really interesting debate, which is why I've just done a boring six no, monologue. I, no, you, I, th- I I agree with you completely, and I think that the you know we've what I was saying about the the deal for Mateta kind of reflects that. It's like well, I'm I'm pleased we've got him, and he looks the kind of player within the the project sort of thing as people like to talk about um, that we should be going for. But at the same time, a part of me is going, well, have we got too meant too much of that? Do we need one or just one or two more experienced heads in there? Cause when you get in, it feels as a fair few times a season when we have been walloped, you know, I mean, I would say the most vocal sort of player on the on the pitch at the moment is Pritchard. I would say he's the one who does get all of the people, and he does sort of get in people's ears a bit. And like some of Johnson's comments after the weekend, where he was kind of basically the suggestion that there was kind of no response in the dressing room to what had gone, what had occurred. It's, that's just a, it's just naivety, isn't it? it in that squad, and I, I don't hold that against them. I mean, you don't become a man overnight there when it comes to to playing, you know, regular football. Um, so you know, I haven't got any beef with them in that respect. Very difficult, very difficult situation to manage, especially when you know you're a player. You look at someone like Sergan, for example, who's probably played in all those games where we've been walloped, probably. Um, at least three of them, so it's a steep learning curve. First test, isn't it, for the um, Speakman? Because we, we've they've never been a group this aggressive before in terms of create a new structure, create a new long term strategy. But they did have a little bit of a go of it when Lee Congo was around, and 
that got ripped up quickly because they decided, you know, because they were always desperate to stay in the Premier League. So they they went for the managers, a different kind of manager who didn't fit into that long-term approach. Now, I don't think they'll do that, but that that's, that is, as we've said, isn't it? That's the, this is the big test to see how much of that goes out the window on this next appointment. Now, how much of this needs to be short-term to get Sunderland out? Well, if you, if, of, the, of the league, like, and it links into what Phil said about Wigan, and, and you know that's the approach they have gone for. Good luck to them. It looks like it's going to work, but they're going to be stuck with loads of players they don't want next season. So, getting that balance is difficult. But this is going to tell us a lot about him, I think, as well. This next appointment. Would you not argue though that if they did appoint somebody in the short term to the end of the season, that would be more in keeping with a long term approach? Well, you mean on a temporary? Not just to say to somebody. Look, we need we we need to get promoted. You've got a contract until the summer because we're not let we're not going to take somebody from another club who we're interested in now. So that's forget that it's not going to happen. Is it? Not going to approach another club and try and take the manager. I wouldn't have thought we're going to be we're going to be in the open market where there's managers who are out of work. Unless there's a manager who's applying for the job who's at another. Place, but I don't know how that I don't know how that works contractually legally. I don't I don't know if that can be possible. So my argument is for even though it kind of contradicts it, appointing somebody to the end of the season and then taking stock in the summer. And if there is somebody who you'd rather have over two and a half years to three years, who's in a job at the moment. Why appoint somebody else on a two, two, three-year contract now who might not be the person you want? Dick Advocat did this, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, but it's not, this, it's quite a common thing. Like, it's not an uncommon thing. I think, I think. Well, even Luton did it to an extent when they're just yeah. asking the car for to carry yeah. on. I feel, I feel, I feel like we, we need to change the way we think about managers and we probably need, we probably need to think about them like players. Because the structure's in place and how often do people stay places anyway, like generally managers and players. So it's very rare that somebody will stay somewhere for you know a protracted period. And we've talk, talked about this Chris on, on Sunday. Um and we're kind of saying, Well, what if you had they should like my opinion, what they should have, and we were kind of in agreement, you should have basically every week. You've, you've basically got a list of managers who are available, who aren't available, who you think would work, who you would replace your manager with. And when the moment comes where the manager you've got is kind of in a red zone, isn't hitting where you need it, where you need them to be, you might, it might bisect the point where the manager on your list is available who you feel so could do the better job. And if they are at that point, then you change. And you, if they're interested in taking that job, you manage on your list, you just change the manager. If you feel as though they're better suited to the project than than the manager you've got at the moment. Now, it might, sound, think, brut- might no, sound brutal or harsh, but if you think about if you think about so Chris Wilder was available a few weeks ago. Now, whether or not he would want the job is another matter. But Johnson was in a really kind of... It was in, in his bad streak at that time wasn't he when when Wilder was available now if you say he was on your list and he was available and you were looking at it going maybe he'd sign him out sound him out and go hmm if he fancies it maybe maybe we just do it now a bit like uh, Atkins and Pochettino I think is a really good example of that situation where Atkins was actually doing all right in the Premier League with Southampton but ultimately he wasn't going to get them to where they want to be Pochettino was available and they, they changed the manager. And a lot of people were quite shocked at the decision, but it obviously proved to be the right decision. And that was within a, a structure. I don't know what you think about that, Phil, or whether you, whether you think it's the harsh thing or... Well, I, think I, prob- I think I probably have um, two things I would say just on that sort of short-term, long-term thing. I guess I it's that... not sure. If, if someone's doing well, though, I guess it's not going to be a short yeah yeah thing. yeah but I, I think that just in terms of where some of them are at now um the, the one the one thing i would say is that sometimes 
short term is, is it's almost like euphemism isn't it for pragmatism like long ball show the defense up like Neil Warnock Mick McCarthy I think like for Sunderland now it's about getting the best out of this group of players I'm not really convinced that one of those managers would get the best out of this group of players necessarily um, so I think sometimes the debate can become a little bit simplistic in terms of oh we need like a um, really attacking modern manager or we need an old school kind of sorted out thing I think it's I think it's just about getting the best out of the players and ultimately for me it, it needs to be somebody who shares similar ideas because Sunderland have not got time to implement like a new style they haven't got four or five games to break in you know a, a completely different approach so it has to be something that yes improves but also builds on what's already there because you know it's a it's a time pressure um I do agree with you. If they have a long-term candidate in mind who they think they could get in the summer, then I think they'd be better off waiting. Um, we will wait and see. And listen, it's a gamble because very clearly they didn't have someone lined up when they sacked Lee Johnson. That That's makes surprising, it, isn't it? Because that makes it a bigger gamble um, than it already was, um, and it puts a lot of pressure on this next appointment, or at least in my opinion. So I think, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting decision. This one for for all the reasons that you've outlined. And personally, I'd be. I like, you know, we, we've discussed some of the sort of challenges within it and some of the debates within it. I think a lot of good stuff's happened in what they've tried to do over the last 12 months. And I'd be very, very disappointed if they radically departed away from that. Um, and it will be it will be interesting to see what they do next. Because uh, I think just when, when, you know, well, just to wrap things up, but when, when we, you know, when they, made, when they announced the decision and, and then obviously McAllister went as well, there was no real clear focus on oh such and such will take the team over the weekend. We're going to get this search right or anything like that, was it? It, was, it, it, it and the way I speak when always talks to us and tells us and, and almost alludes to what Gareth was saying there that there's always a plan in place from now on. There'll be a there'll be a clear plan in place, and it, it not doesn't necessarily look like that's the case. That that's really surprised me now that they you know yeah. he, he's went on the radio this morning, hasn't he, Dreyfus and. And, didn't say and much, money. He didn't, but he did sort of say, "Well, we got the transfer window out of the way, and now we can think about the manager search." Now, some of that might just be because he doesn't want to. They don't want to admit they've been speaking to people. Do you know what I mean? But it's it. I don't know. I I just I was half expecting an appointment to be made yesterday morning or Sunday, and now I'm sort of looking at the weekend, and we we'll let we will not steal the thunder from Tom and Matt to talk about that. But now I'm now kind of looking towards the weekend, thinking, "Well, who's?" What's happening? It'd be Phil Jevons on it, probably, and Proctor, and by default, almost though, right? The, the you know, that's what I'm saying. They didn't come out and yeah, you know make right. a statement yeah. to say that did they? That I, that I yeah. saw that I didn't can't remember saying anything like that. I'm not, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's just a, it's just a, a funny situation. I mean, like you say, Friday from Friday at now it's just mad like it's just so like amazing isn't it football it's just it moves it moves on so quickly it does yeah you know it, it's like yeah it's well we'll let strange. matt and, and tom come back on thursday and then let's say we could have somebody we have we, we've got out we've got out of seeing who we had points so do you know what right honestly this is the first time i i think i can remember why i don't even have a name in mind I, i've got no idea what they're going to do i've got no idea what i would do um i got asked by simon rock yesterday and I think... I, that simon uh, asked us yesterday and i'm glad they didn't they didn't pull that out cuz i just didn't i just sat on the fence i didn't know how to answer it so uh wouldn't have been great I would. I, I know I feel my disagree, but at the same, I would probably go with a appointment till there's somewhere with an incentivized sort of scheme where you say, "Look, you've got this summer." And do you have any sort of promoted. name in mind? Do you have any sort of name in mind on that? Oh, I'd probably. I. It sounds terrible, but I probably would probably be looking at one of the more experienced managers. I know. Right, I agree. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Like I know, I know Phil's like, and, and see Phil's face is going. That's a terrible idea. And I, I totally get where he'd come from on that, but it's more, as I said earlier, it's more that I don't think it would oh, be okay. a diversion from the long term plan because the long term plan is, it's a bit like if you roll back to the Canio appointment. If they just if they sacked the Canio in the summer and appointed somebody else, they could have 
justified the appointment of De Canio when they did it because he did what he needed to do. And a bit like Advocat as well, where he came back, even though a lot of us wanted Advocat to stay and he came back. There's two kind of moments where they've gone, they've probably made the right call in the short term, got the outcome they wish for, and then made the wrong decision following that. And what they've got to do is, if they do that short-term appointment, they must then go, right, thanks. Here's your money. Thanks for getting us promoted. And we're going to go and look elsewhere now because we want we want to do this now. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Can, can I just state for the record, if it's Neil Warnock, I will be absolutely buzzing. Like, I cannot <laughs> tell you how. No, I, I, I love that man. So I don't want anyone to take mixed messages. That would be the real last dance if Neil goes for one more promotion <laughs> and I'd be absolutely all over it. My, I just, I just think I, my alarm would be if they brought in somebody whose success has been with a very different type of squad, because I think sometimes managers can get pinholed as survival specialists or promotion specialists. If you look at the campaigns that actually had success and Warnock would be a brilliant example, more often than not, it's after he's had time to shape the squad his way. And that would be my, a bit like what we saw with when Phil Parkinson came in. It took him a long time where we had this awful period where the team from before and what they were trying to implement was a really kind of painful purgatory. And I just think some of them don't have that time. Yeah, so for me, I the know. more seamless transition would be someone who, yes, you have to tweak certain things, but would have similar ideas. So that's more what I'm trying to say. But if, listen, if, if, if Warnock comes back, it's going to be, it, you know, it would be a, a brilliant ride. And he I doesn't have any. He doesn't it. have any. He doesn't have any six foot certain midfielders, does he? In in, in that and six squad, foot anything really. really. Well, it's only Ross Stewart. I guess. I guess the difference where we would be that we're in a in a, in a good position. Look, let's let's just see if anything happens in the next couple of well, years. If you can bring somebody in who can show that defence up, there's an argument to say. I know it's simplistic, and there's a lot more to it than that. But if you can say, if we can defend properly. There's enough quality in the final third where we'll create opportunities in a game and we'll win more games 1-0, we'll win more games 2-1-2-0 instead of getting walloped, you know. I, I mean, if, I, anyone, I if anyone told you we'd have a season in le- five years ago when we were doing this pod, even in the worst times in the Premier League, if someone said, in five years' time, Jermaine Defoe have left and returned, um, but you'll have been in the middle of a season and you'll be in the third division and you'll have been beaten 6-0, 5-1, and 4-0 away from home. What you would have gone, no. <laughs> like nobody could possibly predict that we would be here now having these conversations. Oh, and that's buddy. why football's great, isn't it? But here we are, not so great. Right. Okay, we'll let Matt and Tom come. And, you know, as quickly as things have moved, this over the last few days who who knows what the landscape will look like then so as always thanks for listening